Hi there, this is Dan Delta Collins. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and also youtube.com slash wanderingdms. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone, welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul. And I'm Dan, and on this episode of Wandering DMs, we're going to be talking about boxed box text in D&D encounter descriptions. Paul, I'm so hot, I can just barely get it out. Box text in D&D encounter descriptions and other issues of writing adventure text for D&D. Is it hostile or benign is my question. All that and Mm. more today on Wandering DMs. Excellent. I think it was uh, posited uh, recently in in chat of a previous episode that uh, this might be, uh, we might have a nuanced response here, that this might not be as straightforward as you think. (laughs) Yeah, I'm super nuanced at the moment. (laughs) That's that's exactly how I feel. Uh, What else should we remind our viewers about, Paul? Oh, uh, that's right. Uh, viewers, you should be aware uh, that, as always, at the end of this show, we will be uh, hosting our live after chat on our private Discord server available to patrons of our site. Uh, if you'd like to join in that after chat, talk to us and other fans of the show directly uh, via Discord video chat, you can do so by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash wanderingdms. What a great idea. People should do that. Definitely. They should. I'm seeing the the viewers in the chat uh, correctly anticipate that my original instinct for this episode was to call it box text threat or menace. But yes, I didn't want to overuse the threat or menace meme, but that is what I actually wanted to call this. So you guys are absolutely 100% right. Uh, I I promise that my blurb just now about um, joining the after chat was not box text. (laughs) I made that up on the fly for you. (laughs) <laughs> I felt that. I felt that. It felt properly improvisational. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, the one thing you know, as I was you know, kind of uh, pre- preparing for this show last night, is uh, discovering what an amazing amount of text has been written about the text in the boxes. Uh, you know, re- over the years and recently, this has been like a ferocious point of debate since a fairly mm. early point, and it doesn't go away. This, this, I would, I would have thought that that there would have been consensus built, and and the D and D community would have stabilized on here's the optimal way to write text. And this argument just actually seems like it just gets more intense over time, and. Everyone's written about it on their blog, and everybody's uh, covered it on their YouTube channel, and everybody's talked about it on Twitter. And um, I like I, I put the promo up, and, and uh, Sean K. Reynolds almost immediately retweeted our promo and said in all caps, "I have opinions about this." Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm shocked, Dan, that you're shocked. Uh, are you telling me you're surprised that a Nuanced detail of D and D is not universally accepted uh, by the entire community, and that rather we have diverse opinions and like to debate those opinions. That's hmm. I disagree, yeah, Paul. Clearly, there must before? be an optimal point on the curve. There must be an optimal point on the curve that should have been discovered at this point, and I cannot disagree more vehemently. Clearly, it should have been discovered at this point. 
<laughs> and let's talk about let's before before we before we uh, start blasting our opinions out. Uh, why, why don't we talk a little bit about the history? When when did box text start? You know, that's a great question. Okay, the the, the earliest that so I have a, a blog, <laughs> like everybody else, I have a blog article uh, from maybe one or two years ago about the evolution of early encounter text, uh, and uh, I was. Uh, thinking both about the pox text issue and just like how long the description was in the first place. The earliest that I could find it is in the 1982 Lost Caverns of Sajkanth module from TSR. It's certainly the, or the earliest TSR publication I can find. And it's a really interesting example because there was an earlier version of that same adventure that was distributed for a tournament in uh, 1976, I think, that, that had much shorter text. So it's a really interesting example of you can take the same adventure published by TSR and look at early version versus late version. And that happens to be the first example of Bach text to the, to the extent whereby they have a wilderness section in this 1982 version. They have a wilderness section and a dungeon section. You get the box text in the dungeon section and it's not in the wilderness section or vice versa. Um, and so I think that that's a really... Um, that's a really interesting case that actually within the one module, they apparently they hit the transition point somehow. Um, and that's the early. So so 82, that's that's actually kind of late-ish. Um, I have a counterpoint for you. Counterpoint. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. Um, recent, recently, I can't remember what what uh, what episode we were talking about this, but we were talking about uh, House on Hangman's Hill, a 1981 module by Judges Guild. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, two things jump out at me about the text in this thing. One is that it's quite long. Uh, I don't know if you can see that. Yes. Right? Okay. yes There's a yes, lot, yes. a lot of flavorful text in each entry, and I don't know if this counts, but there are some entries where uh, a voice speaks aloud. Let's see if this is going to show up on my camera. A voice speaks oh, aloud, and oh, there is text in a box oh, that you are meant to read aloud to your players. Now it's huh. it's dialogue. It's not descriptive right. about the about the room. It's dialogue, but it happens a couple times in the module. It's not, you know, rampant. It's, you know, two or three places in the module. There is a text, a chunk of text in a box that you're meant to read aloud to your players. Interesting. Interesting. I, I'm not surprised. You know, I'm a, I'm a big TSR zombie, um, and I tend not to be as aware as I should be of other publishers. So I'm actually not surprised that that was invented earlier by a different publisher. That's That's seems coherent. And it's really interesting that you're pointing to a Judges Guild adventure, because one of the things I found was a lovely quote uh, by the head of Judges Guild, Bob Bledsaw. And um, so, so here it is. And let me give you a little context to this. So Bob here, I think on his mind is his famous Tegel Manor adventure that we were just talking about in our Haunted House episode, like a couple weeks ago for Halloween. And so there's, a, there's the earliest version of Tegel Manor, 1976, has, you know, two sentence descriptions. And it's like, mm. weird thing, monster, maybe a treasure. That's it. And then I think for 1977, similar to the adventure you're looking at there, Paul, they expanded <laughs> the descriptions. They expanded the descriptions more to give DMs more to, um, you know, more context each area. And here's Bob, I, I think, and, and he, he's, this is from a guest article in what's normally Gary Gygax's column in Dragon Magazine. This is Dragon number 27 in the Sorcerer's Scroll. And I, to my knowledge, it's the only time that Gygax handed over the column to anybody else. I don't know of any other examples than this. 
But here's Bob Bledsaw writing in what's normally Gygax's column, talking about that adjustment to their adventures. And he says, originally, we had some bad feedback on this expansion, which indicated that judges felt that the actual description of dungeons was their domain, and all they desired was a very skeletal framework with the more time-consuming level details worked out. And I'm assuming he's talking stats for monsters and treasures and stuff like that. So initially, mm -hmm. he expanded it from about two sentences each. And we're not even talking box text at this point, but just a little bit more description. And he got a bunch of kickback from DMs being mm -hmm. angry that you're taking over our domain. Isn't that fascinating? That is interesting. That is very interesting. It's now nice that, that he's responding to... to user feedback although i wonder what the mechanism for collection was at that point right in the early you know in the late 70s early 80s i'm guessing that this is purely kind of you know haphazard i heard at a convention people are telling me this rather than like you know carefully collected you know testing feedback i bet you're right i bet you're right i don't know maybe, no, they, had, maybe they had a mail in form or something Tell us what you give us. Probably feedback. not. I, I, I think it's an easy call that he's probably talking to a couple acquaintances, quite possibly, or or some, you know, some people that were angry enough to write handwritten letters, quite yeah, possibly. Yeah. Is what I would guess is it clearly they weren't they weren't doing big. Bob was not doing big surveys at the time. Now, some people are finding earlier examples of box text. I think someone's pointed out that they have it in uh, uh, 1980 adventures from TSR. So I, I glitched that up. Thank you guys for finding that. But let's, I would like to contrast this quote from Bob Bledsaw in 1979 with the 2019 Sly Flourish, Sly Flourish uh, survey on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So this is part of a, a, a rather large debate that popped up in 2019. Um, and in response to this, this user on Twitter, Sly Flourish, put up a survey, just exactly like Paul's asking for, uh, saying, this is a Twitter poll for D&D DMs. Do you prefer read aloud text in published adventures, you get over 5,000 votes, and 68% said yes. Mm -hmm. A very, an overwhelming majority um, said yes, they do want the pre-scripted read aloud text in their published adventures with only about 15% saying no, or I have opinion, or I have no opinion rather. Fascinating. So market difference, huge yeah. difference between 79 with what Bob Bledsoe was was seeing, and it, probably on a small sample size, and this particular case in a survey of uh, DMs on Twitter now. Uh, fascinating, fascinating swing on that. That 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 is interesting. I don't I don't think I'm surprised by that outcome. I would think that you know, I mean, 68 percent. It's it's not a vast majority, but it is majority right like it's it's a strong you know it's not like you know 98 percent of people said yes hell yes which of course which is why we're talking about it right if 98 percent of people said box text yeah, is yeah, a great yeah. idea, then we wouldn't be discussing Agreed. it would we <laughs> but um yeah i would I, my instincts would be that more people like it than don't like it my god I, I feel a little bit surprised. I mean, you know, I yeah. think me being pickled in, you know, the indie OSR community, I think I'm accustomed to seeing more people say no to it than say yes. So that was um, a little, and, and I, I agree with what Ash just put up is that it was, that particular survey, it was, it was four times as many people saying yes than no. Um, mm. So that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good swing. But, but I was, I, I was surprised. I wasn't, 
the, 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 just like probably Bob, just like Bob Bledsoe, the circles I run in would probably be more more willing to say no than yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing. I, I, we're splitting hairs here. I think I, I, it's it's a very strong majority, but there's still a third of D and D players don't want this, right? That's that's a pretty sizable chunk of the audience doesn't doesn't want Fox. <laughs> um, yeah, interesting. I don't know. So do you you want to you want to get into our own opinions, Dan? Sounds like you're anti-box text i think i want to i i mean personally i would yeah. like to look at some of these other opinions actually okay. first right. as a matter of fact if that's okay, okay to hold off on that yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah yeah the, we'll hold um, it back uh so for some reason this about three years ago 2019 apparently this this popped up and was a, a, a point of contention so there was an article this actually got on to comicbook.com Apparently, this was notable enough that it got on in 2019. It got on comicbook.com with the headline Fierce Debate Breaks Out Over Dungeons and Dragons Box Texts and Adventures. <laughs> and the interesting thing here, and I, I maybe that's slightly hyperbolized, maybe, but the interesting thing here is here's a debate that's popping up on, on Twitter between two co authors of the same Wizards of the Coast adventure. Like, two co authors <laughs> actually wind up publicizing their debate. So the two co-authors of uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist, um, number one, James Intracasso, uh, puts up a blog entry titled, We Can Do Better Than Box Text. And he writes, while box tech is meant to be immersive, even the shortest box text can momentarily uh, break the players out of the adventure's story. And then his co-author, James Hake, replies on Twitter with the opposite, saying, honestly, I love box text. Even when I run my own home games, I write box text for myself and read it almost verbatim and digress a bit when I've forgotten something or I decide I want to go off script. But the baseline script that I can throw away if needed is immensely useful. Hmm. Amazing. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if anybody has read Waterdeep. Um, uh dragon heist i mean so i'm going to assume that they must yes have the box text there it sounds like it sounds like they did it and author number one wasn't super happy about it i i, I believe most um modern tsr publications or tsr <laughs> most wizards <laughs> of the coast publications um <laughs> you know have have box text yeah I mean, yeah, yeah 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 fascinating had a comment there to the queue. Um, and then, um, so around that same time, so that, that was here on comicbook.com. And then uh, an, an official article showed up on D&D Beyond by Sean Merwin in 2019, which I thought was uh, pretty interesting. I'm sorry. Uh, the 2019 by Sean Merwin. It's got a picture on, of a castle the, on the top yeah, left. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I hear you. I was trying. I was actually trying to look up whether or not uh, Waterdeep had box text or not. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> yes, the answer is yes. There, there is okay. box text in Waterdeep. I found it. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so here's this. Here's this article on D and D Beyond at the same time, uh, just about uh, three years ago here. Uh, that November. And so uh, among what Sean says there is he says, every couple of years, 
the topic of box tech sweeps through the game design community, opinions are thrown about, battle lines are drawn, and then we all go back to writing our own adventures, usually including box text. I wrote about the topic 20 years ago on forums and 10 years ago on blogs, and now I'll write it about it again. Not much has changed in the conversation, but it's still one we need to have. And then he goes on and says, confession time, I have a love-hate relationship with box text. If it's, if it's done well, it's a great tool. And if it's bad, uh, it's really bad. And frequently, it's really bad. <laughs> so um, here's someone that's been thinking about that for over 20 years and um, is still uh, torn about it. And that's, I, th I thought that's just a fascinating article. And I, I recommend that people read that on D&D uh, on Beyond, actually. I mean, I, I feel like that's that's uh, describing it as a love hate is getting, I think, closer to an accurate depiction of it, right? There, there, I I believe personally that there there are pros and cons. That there is, it is not a simple absolute yes or absolute no answer. Let's okay. Let's let's get so yeah. elaborate. What what are our opinions okay. about box bags? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, I I enjoy seeing it. I like reading it. I never read it aloud. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. For me, I like box text as a organizational tool for the writing. I think there are other more interesting ways to organize your text. Um, and I've seen some, I, mean, I can get into that too, about some other interesting things I've seen in, in ways of writing adventures. But I will say this, it does nicely separate obvious um, player knowledge Right, things that the player should know about the space up front, and then leave a separate, you know, delineated space for. It. And here's the secret stuff the player should not know about immediately. Right. So that, like, if I read the box text just as a reading exercise when I'm reading an adventure and preparing to run it, if I read the box text, I can say, okay, here's all the important information that the player should know as soon as they walk into the room. I won't read it verbatim because, again, I think that's true. That that's where you fall into that. Like, it feels robotic. It pulls the players out of the experience. But it's a nice, like, note-taking um, shorthand, if you will, of sort of presenting the content of saying, okay, here's the stuff the players know right off the bat, and then let me get into more detailed. Because let me, if I compare that to, say, House on Hangman's Hill, which has some lovely evocative descriptions, and other, other adventures, plenty of adventures I've seen like this, where, like, they might have an area with two, three, four paragraphs of text that is useful and has nice information about it, but when I look at it, is such a huge block of text, it is useless during running, right? Mm -hmm. and you're just like, I don't know where the details are. I don't know where what I'm looking for here. And I'm not just going to like read this entire chunk of text before I regurgitate to the players the couple of things they want to know. Mm -hmm. So well, that's I like it for that. I still want to improvise things. I still want to, you know, I still want to improvise my description at the moment. My my little bit of a counter argument. I mean, you're. I mean, you're, that's you're. I mean, I, I'm eighty percent. I sixty eight percent agree with that. Um, my little bit. My my little bit. Of, my little bit of a counter argument is. I mean, me being a a little bit of an OCD literalist, right? A lot the the intention initially, like in that Judges Guild adventure, was this is actually a direct quote of narrative dialogue, and a lot of people. Uh, you know, over the years have used the phrase read aloud a text 
as synonymous yep. with box text. So yep. when I see it, I certainly interpret it traditionally of like, this is something you are supposed to literally read out word for word. And frequently it's even in second person, right? Frequently it's in, you see the large yep. mound of something and some tables and some mugs. Um, I, I don't disagree here. I, and I, and yeah. certainly my use of it is bastardizing the, the intent, right? I recognize that like the way I'm using it is not what it was intended. It's not the use case that the box text was intended to solve, right? I feel like, unfortunately, that more often than not, box text is looked as a way of saying like, great, here's a way that we can, uh, let's say, help out those uh, DMs who have less uh, ability to improvise. It's really interesting right. because I feel like I feel like as a as 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 a sometime teacher, like I I grapple with you know is giving more help preventing people from growing. Like if I'm if if I was if I was like a like a like a, a rehab exercise therapist, right? Part of my job would be like you're weak on this leg. We're going to work on this leg, and it's going to it's going to suck. It's going to be rough, and it's going to be tough, and it's going to suck. And this is how you're going to get stronger with the leg. I'm not going to give you I'm not going to give you a crutch to not have to use the leg. And I wonder sometimes if if that is is maybe not the transition we saw between uh, Bledsaw and the Twitter survey of like, as people are accustomed to seeing box text, that they they wind up needing that as a requirement. And maybe if it wasn't, maybe if that expectation wasn't there, they would have built out their own improv improvisational skills better. Mm-hmm. That, that is, is that real? Mm, that is, mm. <laughs> the, the last bit threw me of like maybe if it wasn't there they would be forced to improve their improvisational skills like maybe maybe or maybe they would just be terrible and 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 either not run or run even worse like i don't know i don't know if lack of a thing lack of a tool is necessarily gonna provide the right impetus of what you're looking for I mean, I found a link to a, a blog. I mean, I think by DM Dave, I think is the name of it. Let me just briefly look over it. Yeah, uh, DM David has has a blog on this. It was actually very helpful, honestly, to see some links to some other articles. And um, uh, his recollection was from the original 1976 uh, Tegel Manor. He had a friend running it that couldn't improvise off the one-line descriptions. And he said it was, a, frankly, a terrible game. And it was like you walk into a place, maybe you maybe you beat on a monster. That's it, room after room. And so clearly, Bledsaw's expansion, right, expanding those descriptions, is to give people a little bit more idea about things that they can they can throw out there. So um, it's it's a hypo. I'm not that's that's a hypothesis. I'm going to throw that in the paper as like few, a hypothesis that maybe I'm not completely convinced of myself. Um, interesting. Let me, let so me that, throw this so, at you. Yeah. So when I get into box text as an organizational tool for your text, um, it, it, the thing that that brings up for me is then, but why are we, you know, why is this the one and only tool that we've come up with to date, 
right? Why are authors of adventures not trying to find more clever ways to organize the text of their adventures to better instruct DMs how to run them, right? To to not just and it's hard. It's very hard. Uh, I think that you when you're writing an adventure, you have to consider that there are two major use cases of your text. One is the initial read by the DM when they're doing their prep, in which case more words is better, right? You're giving them as much information as you can to try and get the ideas that are in your head into their head. The second use case is reference at the table, right? When I'm sitting at the table and I'm running the game and I'm like trying to remember and I need that little whatever, I need that shorthand note takey reminder to say, okay, this is the important shit and then I can improvise on top of that. And those are two different very use cases, and I think they want different things. Um, I have one one example here of, of, an, of an adventure that I think did a pretty interesting thing. This is uh, the module Something Stinks in Stilton, uh, written right. for Lamentations of the Flame Princess by Ollie Palmer. Um, and the interesting thing here is when you get into the text here, um, you can see the descriptions are large freeform paragraphs, but there are little pieces of text that are highlighted yeah. in bold red. Yeah. And if I just yeah. read you this section on the basement, I'm just going to read you just the red text. It tells me, smell of rancid milk, leaking, hidden string. Now, none of those are particularly useful <laughs> off the bat, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but they give me the important things that I have to remember and get out right away. Hidden string, obviously, is not a thing. This is not necessarily like you need to tell the players about these immediately. The string is hidden, right? I, I shouldn't tell mm -hmm. them about it. But it's drawing my eye to the part of the text where I go, wasn't there something hidden? Oh, right, there's a hidden string. Okay, now my eye can wander left and right from that bolded section and, and quickly gather the text that I'm looking for. Of like, tell me, tell me again text about the hidden thing in this room. Oh, right, there's a piece of string. Okay, great. Uh, you know, that's pretty you know, good. Yeah. I like it. I like it. And it's using it for both things, right? It's using it both for like, here's, you know, information about this room that's important to you, DM, as you're running it. But also... Here are bits of flavor that are important that you should get out right away. Smell of rancid milk, right? Like let's that's important right off the bat. Hey players, you smell rancid milk in here. You know, I'll that, that's pretty good. Uh I will say that in my own adventure writing, and I think this is something I've picked up from, you know, certain published modules, is I use the bold face for things that are dangerous. So mm -hmm. I myself uh put the monster names in bold face and the names of traps in bold face. Uh, mm -hmm. to stand out, to make sure that I don't, A, a so I don't forget um, something that's that's dangerous here uh, later on. Because I feel like the hidden stuff I can dig up later if I need to. And two, um, for me, I uh, like, you know, mentally, I always had a big problem with um, getting, uh, when, when I'm writing it, as a hobbyist, I, I normally don't publish what, I, what I'm writing for adventures to date. Um, is I personally get um, uh, sucked down a hole with the statistics. So I'm writing and uh, there's a goblin, but they also have uh, wizard levels. And then I'm down, oh, that's, well, what's the AC? And what's the armor? What's the hit points? What's the hit dice? What spells do they have? And now I've just spent an hour on the statistics for that thing. And I've completely, I've completely gotten off track with me trying to write what the room is like. And so for me, uh, writing it, what I found is I can write you know, goblin wizard, put that in boldface. Mm -hmm. And I'll come back later, I'll come back later and add a stat block or spell list or whatever I need. So it was it for me, it hit it, it hit a twofold issue of, um, you know, here's the stuff that's dangerous. And here's the stuff that I need to fill in later. So at least for me that I've, I've uh, allocated 
the bold face uh, issue for that for that stuff. Yeah, there's. Um, I want to point out there's some comments going on in the chat right now about either writing your own notes or writing shorthand notes, which I also like. I mean, I've seen that, mm -hmm. and you could I could easily see replacing the box text with like, here's just a quick bullet list of the things the players see immediately as they walk in the room. One, two, three, four. Whatever. Many people have suggested that, which yeah, which is nice. I agree, that's nice. Um, but it does. Um, it. Uh, my question would be: Are you doing that instead of or in addition to the long form text? Because I do think that the long form text is still useful, especially when you use evocative yeah. language, because you're trying yeah. to get the mood into the DM's head so that they can set it at their table. Right. I mean, I'm I'm thinking of if I think of like pretty much every episode of um, Here of a Black Dragon I've ever listened to, which is a great podcast if you haven't listened to it, uh, uh, hosted by the Gauntlet, where they review a single module in in each episode, and they have this section where they call the lightning round, where they just spit out quick, very quick. I love this thing about this module, and very often there's at least one item in that list where they just read a sentence out of it like oh isn't this sentence mm -hmm. like so nice and evocative of the setting and of the adventure and like doesn't it sound cool like yeah That's you need yes i that is a draw for buying modules i want to read that kind of text and if it's just been reduced to a bullet point yeah i mean it's okay it's not bad but i'm gonna i'm gonna throw up a, a quote from laura sudo in the chat that, that i think anticipated what paul just said uh laura sudo said i think the text but the narrative text also gives you the flavor and the mood that the module writer is trying to convey. I um, I agree with that. I find, again, maybe as a hobbyist, I'm actually not, many, many people use and many, many people suggest the bullet point um, strategy. And I'm actually not super fond of that myself because I feel it's, it's one of those like overly structured elements for me. As a hobbyist, I'm not thinking that way. I, I'm I'm thinking how things are connected together, and that kind of structural element. It's going to take a lot of space on the page. Um, it's I'm going to have to start fighting. Like, was this was this one line or was this two lines? Now I'm now I'm I'm eliminating orphans on every single bullet, um, mm. and I find that again for me at least fighting that structure at the same time I'm trying to get ideas down is. Um, detrimental for me when I'm writing. I would rather just get my thoughts down rather than also fighting some kind of structure, whether it's bullet points or it's a one-page dungeon or it's fit this in a box text. All of that overly structured stuff is fighting against me actually getting my ideas down. Yeah, That's, That's my opinion on that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, ultimately, I found the best practice for me if I have the time, which I rarely do, is to actually write my own notes about the module, right? Like as I'm doing the read, right. I jot down my own notes. And so I make my own bullet lists, which are then on the side. That really helps me process and parse the text. I absolutely had to do that for the module um, Bryson Springs, uh, which mm -hmm. uh, getting the author of that, I'll have to go look that up. Um, but especially when you get into modules like, like horror modules like this, where it's investigative, Right, and there are scenes with clues, and there are characters to interact with who know different things and have different, you know, motivations. Uh, it's uh, from Hebanon Games, and I'm not seeing the author's name pop out of me. Anyway, 
Um, the funny thing is that as it's a great module, I absolutely love it. But as written, I couldn't just run it. Like I had to sit down, had to write notes on it. Like I had to. Mm-hmm. There's just so many characters, and and the way it presents the information in the module is, in my opinion, not the best. Okay. Yeah. Because That's why? Nice. What was what was wrong with the way that it? Uh... Uh, thank you, Ash. It's by Caleb Stokes, uh, as the author of Bryson Springs. Um, you know, they, you just make certain choices where, like, descriptions of specific characters are tied to the locations where those characters are, which is not necessarily mm-hmm. the order the players visit those locations. There is a uh, uh, he he includes a graph of like relationship graph of like you know just names and boxes with lines of how people how characters are interrelated to each other, which is useful. That's useful. But it's not the full story. Usually what I wanted to know when the, char- when the players encountered a specific NPC, I wanted to know what do they know, right? What are the specific pieces mm-hmm. of information about mm-hmm. the mystery that they have? And uh, what do they think about the other characters, right? So they can quickly, you know, if they say, oh, you know, if they talk to the sheriff and they ask him, oh, tell me about this. Uh, um, tell me about the guy running the gas station. Like, he can be like, oh, uh, what was that guy's name again? What do I think about him? I've forgotten. Right. <laughs> right. So, so those are my bullet points. Is like I had just each NPC and then a bullet point list of like what they know, what they think of the other characters, and then possibly what is their motivation? What are they trying to get out of the players? Because they have very different motivations. And that a lot of that is just hidden in the text, and you just have to Got it. read it and read it and read it again. Do you think that's a case where um, that would be helpful to like remove the character descriptions to an appendix or something like that? So you just have maybe look look over <laughs> I mean, there for what this character is about. Ultimately, the notes I came up with are super helpful, and I keep a page of that notes with my copy of the module for when I'm running it, and that's that's what I refer to. Now, is that useful to me because that's a better way of presenting the information, or is that useful because? I wrote it as part of learning the information and therefore it's the best thing to jog my own memory because I'm reminded of the moment when I wrote it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, uh, well put. And we, 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 we definitely know that, that hand handwriting a thing causes literally causes a person to remember it better. Um, and I guess those, those are also, uh, that's another axis. Uh, for why are you writing adventure text in the first place? I mean, there's also the case of, are you writing it just for yourself or you're writing it for consumption by other people? Um, and um, that's a big, and, and obviously the the things that you need yourself, uh, you're, you're probably gonna have a fair idea. I'm not gonna say it's gonna be 100%, but you're probably gonna have a fair idea of that. And then when you're trying to deliver it for other people's consumption, that's a much more, uh, much more likely to go off the rails, I guess I'd say. <laughs> well, and it's, it's a weird balance too. I think when you're writing for other people, because yeah. I mean, I do like making sure I leave room for DM interpretation because the DMs are going to come up with mm-hmm. cool stuff, and I don't want to constrain them. I don't want to constrain their creativity and be like, you know, you can't can't vary from the, the the vision of the adventure as I had it. Right, that's the whole point. Right, it's the whole point of this stinking game is that players can do mm-hmm. different stuff, stuff that I didn't imagine up front, and. Uh, I want to empower the GMs and the players to take the adventure in a totally different direction if that's what what happens. Yeah, I find that for me, you know, if I'm writing like a puzzle, like I need, you know, again, I'm not someone who's going to roll a die and say you solve the puzzle. Like I I find I wind up writing more text for that Mm. in case someone else writes it. So they have they understand what the you know, what the failure state and what the success state is rather clearly. I find that those are the cases where I start, like if there's, 
you know, monsters and there's treasure. It's like, I'm assuming that people know, you know, what a troll acts like. And I don't need to write that down. But if I'm writing up something novel, I want, then my, my text starts to get a little bit longer at that point. Um, Cause I don't want, I don't, I, I don't want people to be at sea over it. Right. Or me. Right. Frankly. <laughs> I want to commit. I want to commit beforehand and, and, and be, you know, know what I'm going to do uh, with this in advance. Um, I kind of find myself them. exploring this, this idea now of like, you want to write like the form. Like if I took what I wrote for Bryson Springs and I just, made it like workbook like where i was like here's the list of npcs and then under each one there's like three bullet points about like what do they what do they know about x y and z how do they feel about you know characters a b c what is their motivation and i just left them blank it's like exercise for the reader fill this in before you run this game what do you think about that's that? great you know what i kind of like that because it <laughs> feels very much like uh the early right the earliest tsr event like you know it feels like in search of the unknown where you had to fill in the monster and the treasure the module b1 and uh the first top secret module was have the same format to that and maybe you know maybe just a couple of places maybe just a couple of places like i think module b4 did that like you fill in some places and i'll fill in the rest for you yeah, or, I mean, or, or last, I'll them. fill in level one, and then you fill in level two for yourself, right? Like that. But I'm not actually asking them to invent, right? Like the information is here in the text. This is like <laughs> homework, right? This is like it, it exists. You just need to go find it and fill it in. <laughs> you know, and I'm going to grade you. No, I'm not going to grade you. you. Get what I'm getting at. <laughs> yeah. Boy, you know that's I'm sold. I'm I'm an easy yeah. I'm an easy yeah. customer for that, Paul. I'm totally sold. Wait, we need wait. to we need to be quizzing the customers of our products more, and like you know, send in your answers. We'll grade them, and if if you get a failing grade, you're not permitted to run this to use this product. <laughs> you know, we could probably automate this, right? You make a website, you know, they go in, you know, fill in stuff. <laughs> True or false? <laughs> the sheriff. Short answer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let me let me go back a little bit here. You mentioned that you like to reserve bold text for the threats. And I want to get your opinion on something here because this is something that's bothered me. I feel like I, I was trying to I was hoping to find an example of this. I can't necessarily, but I feel like I've seen this in box text before where the box text kind of um slow rolls the big reveal, right? It'll yeah. do something like describe yeah. you enter the room and you see a wizard's laboratory mm -hmm. with a you know fancy desk. Um, you know, alchemical equipment, a, a, a open treasure chest bursting with magical implements and 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 magic items. Uh, mm -hmm. Prisoners bound in the corner, and a horde of guardian orcs standing right mm -hmm. before you, brandishing their swords, ready to kill you. And you're like, oh, ooh, uh, should you have led with the like, you know, monsters j ready to jump me? I don't know. I'm so glad you brought this up, Paul, because this is yeah, a real yeah. dilemma. And and for me, I feel like th there's all that. And I feel like the thing that I that I have a real dilemma, and I think it's from the perspective of like, would you actually notice this? Would, would yeah. the characters, would, would they actually, what level of details would they perceive if a troll literally just jumps right at their face as soon as they open the door? And for me, I kind of want to, like my, you know, my habit is usually you enter a room and I'm gonna tell you how big it is. It's 20 by 30 and there's two exits. There's one door across from you and then there's an open hallway to your left. 
And I'm like, on the one hand, that seems important of like, is this a room we can fight past and move beyond? Yeah. But would you actually notice the doors? Would you notice the <laughs> doors yeah. if a troll jumped at your face? And I, I honestly, I don't know. That, that, that right yeah. there is the dilemma that I have. It does seem like when you think about like the way a real person would encounter like oh imagine yourself opening a door and looking into a room what are the first things you're going to see and what is your brain going to process like yeah the big monster you know holding a spear ready to to skewer you that's the first thing your brain's going to process but there are other details that maybe you're going to notice out of the corner of your eye that as dm you want to ensure get to the players like especially like there are bound prisoners in the corner. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, yep, yep. potential magic items or a trap or yep. what, like yep. resources or things that are going to vary. Yep. Right. Stuff that could affect, like, you know, stuff that the players would be rightfully upset about if, like, you didn't mention there was, you know, prisoners in the corner. So I threw fireball in there because I thought it was fine. Right. Um, so you like you kind of want to get that information out and then i understand that organization of the writing because you're like well if i slow roll it and i put the yep, most yep. threatening thing at the end then they'll have time to process the other details before i jump yep. them with like oh and there's a troll and he's about to kill you what do you right. want to do right right um, totally totally yeah so it's an interesting yeah. conceit but i don't know i don't know i struggle with that certainly and and i especially struggle that with if i go back to my use case of i like box text because it tells me what's important to tell the players right off the bat but then i still paraphrase myself and don't just regurgitate the text as written the problem with that is if what's in the text is a lot right <laughs> if there's like a lot of details in there then i struggle with it because i'm like i don't want to just spit out all of these details right away because i do agree i can't already can't remember which quote we saw there that that, that they wanted one or two sentences before the players are like i'm doing a thing right yeah, yeah. before they're yeah yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> let's actually yeah, pull that up patience for that yeah. So that was Which, uh, that was an observation by uh, by uh, in 2005 by Jesse Decker, if I recall correctly. He was the editor of Dragon Magazine at the time, I think. So uh, a 2005 article um, that showed up on uh, Wizards.com, uh, in which uh, Jesse and David Noonan uh, went undercover at Gen Con that year, specifically uh, walked around the tables observing the play, and his undercover insight number one was box text equals Migo, which which stands for my eyes glazed over. And um, huh. just like you're saying, his his main, just like Paul just said, his main observation was uh, what I actually saw was even more dramatic than my prior hypothesis. Um, if you're the DM, you get two sentences, two sentences, period. Beyond that, your players are stacking dice, talking to each other or staring off into space. Time after time, players were missing the actual data in the box text. And so Jesse's advice is you get two sentences. And boy, that's, that's short. That's, that's fascinating because my, my instinct was to go to the opposite direction with that. It's still the same result, hmm. right? Of like, you get two sentences and then the players, like, especially if they're juicy, the players are like, I jump in, I stab him, I steal the treasure, I, right, I'm doing this thing. I'm like, wait, 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 let me finish telling you what's in the room. <laughs> like, oh, I think that's fine. the same. I think that's the same observation, <laughs> yeah, depending on the yeah. back and forth with a DM, whether whether you feel like you can jump in or not. I, I think that's the same observation. I would really want to go for three because it just seems that seems like the magic number to me. But I, I would push it to three. But boy, that's tight. Here's the that's number of sure. important details I want to include. Right. When I'm describing yeah. you open the door, here's what you see. I want to include no more than like three important details. There's this monster. Yeah. There's this treasure. There are these exits. I don't know, whatever it is. But like 
I might sort of stack rank the importance of the of the details that they're going to see, and then give them the top three, and then let the others fall on the floor and say like, okay, those are those are for later when you have time to like process what's going on. That's I not know, bad. I maybe. like now. Ash is is suggesting b- partly base these things on the surprise roll, mm. which is not bad. But it's but you know, and again, yeah. that's a place whereby if you are using box text, it becomes inflexible specifically on that aspect of like the things that you see when you walk in might differ depending on your your state of mind your 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 advantage at that point hmm. interesting fascinating <laughs> sorry jerry mcdonald just mentioned in uh in chat to play by twitter rules 140 characters max so it's not a bad idea. See, I don't want to count it. I mean, that's not terrible, but I don't want to count. I mean, I, I can count the sentences, I guess. I can count the sentences visually. Yeah. Other than that, Jerry, I, I it's want, not a bad idea. I want to reduce it to bullet points, and that way I can just say the top three bullets. One, two, three, done. The bullet points I would resist. You know, uh, uh, Dyson Logos uh, wrote about this issue on his blog about 10 years ago. Um, and And among the interesting observations that he had was that his, and I, I think I'm easily persuaded by this. Oh, there it is. Thank you. So this yep. is uh, 2013 on uh, Dyson's Dodecahedron, his blog there, um, uh, which I think, at the, I, think he's, I think he's got his blog tags, like some thoughts about D&D and occasionally a map, which, which I believe took over <laughs> the blog later on. So yeah. Dyson's point, uh, opening point is during the first edition days, we saw the advent of boxed or read aloud text because it's synonymous, as several has pointed out. And he says, I tend to blame this on the tournament usage of the original published adventures, the goal being to standardize the game experience for each playgroup, regardless of who who's DMing it. And then he says, standardize it did. Players around the world fell asleep, looked off into space, and generally felt their brains leak out of their ears. Um, and then ultimately Dyson's solution is exactly what you're saying, Paul, is to use bullet points. Interesting. This is recommendation. Yeah. And, and, and I, again, I feel like I want to reiterate that I don't want bullet points instead of, I want them in addition to, I want like here are a couple of quick bullet points, okay. boom, boom, boom. And now here's the elaborate text that we're just going to reiterate the same information. And probably every adventure author, myself included, is going to like grimace at that and go, oh, my page count. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I start to I start to get a little shuddery over the re- repetition over the over the, you know, the, the don't repeat yourself rule. Uh, but cl- classically, uh, there's the uh, management idiom of you got to tell people something three times before they internalize it. Uh, you know, I guess I'm not a manager. I, I, like I'm already seeing, I'm now I'm seeing change management issues, right? Okay. So then uh, later on, I decide the mug wasn't red. Now it's blue and I only changed it in one place. And now it's contradicting the other places in the text and all that kind of problem. Yep. Yep. You're true. 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 <laughs> well, you could go that you could go the something stinks in Stilton route of just bolding or highlighting or essentially, essentially your note tape. It's like highlighting, right? It's I essentially like highlighted for us, right? It's highlighted. I do like seconds. that better. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's interesting. I think I that I don't mind that. Now, I want to say I do agree with Dyson uh, in here that I feel like the purpose of box text is to standardize, whether that's for tournament use, maybe, maybe that's how it came about. But I feel like the intent did become to standardize it for the skill level of the DM, which is a really much more depressing use case for me, I think, <laughs> of... That it's right. That it's that that I feel like adventure writing, especially that published by by uh, uh, big game publishers, 
was more and more trying to pander to the lowest common denominator, right? They're trying to write their content for, um, you know, as, as wide an audience as possible. And therefore they wanted to empower more people to run the games. And I'm sure there are plenty of RPG creators out there, uh, especially the very big ones who would love nothing more than to obviate the need for Dungeon Master at all. Right? I think we tried that, right? I think I think that was attempted, I'll say, fourth edition era-ish. Yeah. And I think that that clearly, I, I think that, and, and you know what? I am thankful for the fourth edition D&D experiment because it really pushed a lot of boundaries and found where where too too far is where things where things don't work and in in that sense fourth edition was a useful experiment to totally find where D and D stops working um, and uh, the attempt the attempt at removing the DM is the, then 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 what do you have at that point you don't really have D and D anymore you have right something right. that sucks. <laughs> what you have is what you have is kind of a computer rpg right you have pool of radiance right where you know your options are a and b which one do you want to do those are the only yeah. the ones yeah, yeah, that yeah. i've uh, yeah. allowed for yeah yeah uh oh you have a clever outside the box solution off yeah, 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 it's and you, you can that. see me struggle with that Monday nights. Obviously, I'll be back tomorrow night. From you can see me struggle with like I would like to talk more with you, and they just took off. Um, uh, I think that's the most interesting that's... thing about this, right? That, that that the problem with box text is that it is leading us down that avenue of a single linear path through through the content, right? Yeah, that yeah, yeah, that the yeah. that the goal of the content really should be to. Uh, infuse the DM with what uh, you know, what what the adventure is about, and what exists in the adventure. What are the absolute facts to give them the context from which they can then improvise and expand as needed. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So you know, here's what. I, so personally, when I these days when I write my adventures, here's what I do. The fu the funny thing is, I'm so close. <laughs> the funny thing is, I'm so I'm actually surprisingly close to having box text. I don't box the text. But I do actually try to have an initial paragraph that is short, that has all the stuff that's immediately visible when players walk in the room the first time. I, I mm -hmm. actually, I, I do actually try to, I do actually try to have immediately visible stuff in a first paragraph, and then other stuff, monsters and hidden stuff and treasures and, and traps and so forth in later par, in maybe the second or third paragraph, and I try to keep it to basically that it. So the funny thing is, I just is that is that I almost have that there, but I really feel that putting it in the damn box, you know, has all this extra baggage about it's supposed mm. to be read aloud, it's supposed to right. be a direct script, and mm -hmm. you get you get locked into that. Whereas I find if you just remove the box, here's more or less what stuff the player should be seeing and clearly the dm is going to have to be improving around that and as things change or they come from a different direction um that will be something that obviously the dm has to take into account as they paraphrase this stuff and um you know and obviously i think we all agree that the major the major egregious pitfalls of, of box text, maybe in an early an early area, is one you made it too flowery. Um, you know, it went on and on and on, and it broke what I'm going to call the Decker rule, 
Uh, it's, it's just gone on too long for people to pay attention to. Two, I really, you know, I feel like I feel like in the in the 80s, in the early 80s, when this started, there was a real trap in which some of this is a longer conversation. I apologize for bringing it up, whereby some of the adventure writers, you know, they really wanted to be novelists. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to I will point, you know, uh, Gary Gygax was frankly one of them. Um, uh, I'm going to say that. Um, uh, oh, Lord, uh, Tracy and Laura Hickman. I feel yep. we're kind of in the same bucket. And these are all people that did actually wind up writing novels at some point. And so I think in a lot of a lot of cases where you have a new art form, you have people that are engaged in the new art form, but they're really thinking about the older art form, which is more respected at this point. And so they kind of wanted to show off work. That was one of the big intents of, I think, the Hickmans is we're going to make D&D adventures more like novels. Right. That's mm -hmm. that we're going to it's going to be better. It's going to be more fully formed. It's not just going to be monsters and rooms. And so you get this big, long, flowery text uh, in places like the Ravenloft adventure and stuff like that. And uh, that's clearly a place where you've gone off the rails. You aren't finding what the new art form is about. And then third, of course, is if you have in the box text actual actions uh, on the part of the players. If you walk in and then you uh, stand in shock and that's why the net automatically falls and, and drops on you or something like that. Um, or you, you, you go up and there's, there's bees and the honey looks so delicious that you grab some of the honey and you start eating it. And that's, that's just totally egregious, obvious problems that they had a lot in early box text that is so bad. It's just amazing that anybody made that mistake. It just seems so egregious. Um, mm. so I, so by removing, so I find by removing the box, right, clearly I'm not going to be writing, I'm not going to be writing in second person. I don't have any possibility that I'm going to start writing, you walk over here and you're amazed by it or anything like that. I'm not going to tell you what your emotional state is. And just by removing the box of like hmm. avoids a lot of those traps, I find. Interesting. Interesting. Remove the box. I mean, you know, it, you're, you're signaling via removing the box that it is, this is not quote unquote boxed text, right? It, this is something different. This, right. I don't know. I guess I guess it it begs the question of like, do we acknowledge that box text is synonymous with read aloud text, and that you are meant to verbatim read it? Um, which I think the answer is probably yes. Uh, certainly, that was the intent yeah. initially of it. Um, yeah. hmm, 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 interesting. Dan, we are uh, unsurprisingly out of time. What? What the? <laughs> what the hell? I there were so many great comments I wanted to get to today. Oh man. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, people yeah. should watch this and you should watch it on YouTube and you should watch the archive chat because it just, it just, it, it just excellent observations all through the hour while Paul and I've been uh, talking here. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Dan, any final thoughts on box text? I feel like we needed to summarize like our thoughts up front. Now I feel like we should have summarized our thoughts up front and get the main ideas at the start. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I no, like it, it's really interesting how we still have these debates about, you know, can you put in the, 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 the players, you know, where, where's the line between sense information and like, are you, you know, are you shocked or are you stunned? That kind of thing. And, you know, here we are still debating about if a troll jumps you, should you put the other details before or after or not at all or later or 
And I, I, I'm, I, that particular dilemma I still have when I'm trying, I'm still trying to write a first paragraph about here's what you're going to see immediately when you walk in. For me, remove the box. Remove the box. Yeah. I remove, uh, the, box. remove the, the script because that just makes all kinds of problems. I don't like any kind of uh, tough structural element, whether it's a box or a bullet or a particular number of sentences, because I find that gets in the way of getting the ideas down myself. I could be... I could be unique about that, and I like uh, I like I like bold facing some words. That that I feel like I feel like that also is is a nice element that 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 avoids a lot of problems. That's not a bad technique. Interesting, interesting. So are you, are you moving away from your opinion that only threats should be bold faced, or are you still still landing there that it should be just threats? It's it it's in the zone of things to consider. I yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. It, it's, yeah. It's it's going to take me a little bit of a push to get off that technique, but it's that that's not an egregious idea. That's 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 fundamentally a good idea, and I don't know if I can work it into my own adventures or not. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Um, you know, for me, I think box text is interesting because it's trying to um, deal with the separation of uh, this information is targeted at two different different groups the you know it's, it's yeah. separating dm knowledge from player knowledge um and it's sort of you know being more intentional about how this content has two different viewpoints and i think possibly losing the fact that the content actually has three different viewpoints there is a three layers to this cake of author dm and players and um i think that's important i think it's important to acknowledge that um that's uh you know that the the dm might do different things than than what the author intended and the players might do different things than what the dm intended and yeah. uh, i think that's all good totally. and we should embrace that uh for my own uh uses i'm actually now super tempted the next time i write a a uh interesting module with maybe with some complicated npcs or or plot elements going on to include a workbook i feel like that's such an interesting <laughs> idea I kind of want to explore it. It might be a terrible idea, but I might not be able to say for sure it's a terrible idea until I've done it. So, <laughs> I think we all head. agree that every time we have rancid milk in our adventures, that gets boldfaced now. Are we all, can we all, everybody agree with that? Yeah. You're going to put rancid milk somewhere in your next adventure and you're going to boldface that. Great. Perfect. <laughs> uh, allow, allow me to now read from the box text. Uh, viewers, if you have opinions on whether or not box text is an important element or thoughts on ways it should be used uh, or insights into the history that we have missed uh, cases, maybe do you know precisely the first ever use case of box text? Uh, we would love to hear from you. Leave some comments in our YouTube uh, video here, and uh, we will uh, love to read those and possibly inspire some future conversations by us uh, down the road. Yeah. Now, Paul, I'm actually looking at the box text right now, and I will point out that you went off script. You did not. You did <laughs> not actually literally read the box text like it was written in advance. But that's fine. That's that's okay. That's fine. We're about that. But I will <laughs> remind the viewers if they're new to the show that you should like, follow, and subscribe to us on uh, whatever your social media choice is, like YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, GitHub, TikTok. Uh, we do have the handle Wandering DMs on all those sites, and you'll get updates on upcoming shows. That's good. Uh, if you prefer to uh, listen to us in audio-only podcast format, where it's much harder to see the box around the text, uh, you can find those files uh, on our website at wanderingdms.com. 
Uh, you can also find our podcast on various carriers such as uh, Google Podcast, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, uh, a ton of other places I'm not thinking of. If you are listening to this podcast right now on one of those sites, please take a moment to rate and review us on that site if possible. It helps other users of that site find us, and we really appreciate it. We really do. And uh, as some of our patrons work on coming up with statistics to uh, dangerous uh, monster-based rancid milk, uh, uh, we're going to thank them and, and our other patrons who support the show. And if you'd like to join them, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash wandering DMs, uh, uh, join one of the couple tiers there. And again, all of them, uh, give you access to our discord server where the conversation continues. And as usual, we'll have a uh, live, uh, continuing, uh, after chat there in about 10 minutes. And, uh, we're all there today, right, Paul? Yep. Indeed. Right, great. We'll and um, yeah, come after you, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we, we've been having more people there lately. And it's so it's so great. I mean, actually, we were surprised last week that uh, Keith Amon uh, joined us and we didn't expect it. But we get to ask some extra questions to our guests once in a while. It doesn't happen all the time, but that was a wonderful surprise last week. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so look for upcoming shows on the channel this week. Uh, I'll be back uh, for more uh, box text with uh, Pool of Radiance um, tomorrow <laughs> night. At, at 11 as I as I continue slogging through that. Um, I hope that uh, folks, uh, if you didn't see uh, our Thanksgiving Book of War episode with me and Dan Cullinan last Thursday, what that was, what a barn burner of, uh, of, uh, of a game that was uh, for, th for a Thanksgiving uh, throwdown. That was a, a great fight. Uh, used some uh, units we've never seen before on the board, namely uh, Unicorn Warriors. Um, which was which was fascinating to see uh, in use for the first time, and um, uh, and then next week uh, the plan is we should have John Peterson on again uh, to chat about his uh, his most recent writing um, with uh, uh, you know of course author playing against the world one of our favorite people to have on one of our favorite D and D writers so we're looking to have looking forward to having John again next week I think that'll be December fourth for that. So all kinds of great stuff. And, and I bet Paul will probably show up maybe once or twice at surprise times with the painting room. Um, yeah, uh, on uh, our ab server. absolutely. Um, you know, I, I found a little time to do that uh, over the vacation recently. Probably not much going to happen in the immediate future. But uh, as we get closer to Christmas, there may be some some empty days there where I will uh, Fill the time with a little painting. So yeah, painting room is definitely a, an impromptu thing happens on the server from, from time to time. So hang out on the Discord. You'll see notifications of uh, when that comes online. And one of my favorite things is once in a while you have more than one person. Like 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 I love tuning in there and finding that like yeah. you and William or somebody are painting sign in 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 stereo. I'm like this is this is fantastic. It's like a joint. Yeah, for, for anyone who's not room. aware of what that show is, that's um it, it is a live stream of a video chat room on our Discord server. So the painting room is a is a live video chat uh, where some of us gather to do some painting, and then also we stream it. Um, so yeah, if you want to join in and chat with us while we paint or possibly even paint as well, turn your cameras on and paint alongside us, uh, come, come check it out on the discord server. I love that. I just love the painting yeah. room. It's just really, it really tickles me to death. Um, so I guess that's, uh, I guess that's our show. So, uh, look for those, uh, things coming up, particularly John Peterson next Sunday. And, um, what a great chat this was today. Again, I recommend people go see the chat. Just wonderful, wonderful ideas about pox text and everything else. Uh, wonderful show today. 
Um, and don't forget, we are live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So please join us again next week for another thought-provoking, out-of-the-box discussion. We'll see you then.